Welcome back to 7 Seconds Here More. This is episode 57. I'm your host, as always, Peter Harith, joined as usual by Duncan Adele. We are now in a post-in-season tournament world. Uh, how's it feel that we're back? You know, it feels like it never happened. No, I'm kidding. It's It was great while it happened, but, you know, it's not the playoffs. The, the buzz is over. We're back to the regular season. Well, it, it's it's just like the play-in tournament where the stats don't count. They're in, like, the purgatory. They don't exist. So stupid. What do you, what do you think of that? Oh, uh, it was just the finals where they don't count? Or was it the... Yeah, just the final, right? Yeah, because uh, part of the pitch, and we'll go over a lot of this uh, in a minute here, but part of the pitch is that Every team is playing 82 games. It doesn't create any more games onto a schedule except the two teams in the final play an 83rd game. And in order for that to work in the standings, that it doesn't count. It's effectively the same as a play-in game. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why the Pacers shot so bad from three. You know, they took every shot saying, uh, this won't go against my percentage. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, he's shooting like 45% from three, uh, but his two for eight showing against the Lakers didn't make a difference so we'll start there we'll start with the Pacers and the Lakers in which was a a weird game I would say for for those of you who are able to catch the game uh last Thursday because we were recording this on Wednesday December 13th the Lakers ultimately won by 14 but the lead uh didn't really get farther beyond there even if the Lakers were really dominant I believe it was the first half I don't have the exact stat in front of me the Lakers only made two points outside of the paint and or the free throw line because they were just insane from the paint. And then if you look more at the Lakers box score, it helps if you watch the game, of course, but it's a lot easier to look back through box scores. Uh, Anthony Davis took 24 shots. LeBron takes 21 shots. D'Angelo Russell takes 15. Austin Reeves takes 15. Cam Reddish takes seven. And no one else takes beyond three. It was really heavily concentrated within the trusted guys for the Lakers. And uh, even if you look at the minutes, Davis plays 41, LeBron plays 35. It had a, a real like playoff feel to it. And that's what uh, I think it was D'Angelo Russell said that it was like this playoff atmosphere. LeBron said it was really helpful for the young guys to try to have this replicate a playoff atmosphere. Did you get those vibes watching at, you know, even the semifinals, which were in the same arena, Duncan? Yeah, I got it a ton in the semifinals. Um, it, it's just like electric, you know, everything's going crazy. Everybody wants that atmosphere. But it's interesting how in the finals, it kind of resembles the playoffs in terms of feel and vibe and shot like selection, but the rotational like aspect of it is not the same. You know, in the playoffs, we see like, what seven man eight man rotations and here the there's i mean i guess for the lakers there's truly 10 people who had meaningful minutes but still you had 12 people on the floor in the in-season tournament finals so it's interesting how you know it's a great opportunity to get the young players those playoff minutes for something that doesn't really quote unquote matter like it's not a playoff game it's not a game that counts towards the regular season yeah you're playing for pride and for money but it is a great opportunity especially for teams with young players, teams like the Pacers, to get those important minutes and get that under your belt um, instead of you know losing a game or two in the, in the first round of the playoffs because now you've already had this experience. You kind of know what to expect. Going off that, the rotations sort of surprised me too because there weren't as many like like adjustment-based rotations where another team is bringing in this guy, so I'm going to counter with my guy. 
But at the same time, even with a, a shorter turnaround, this isn't a series, right? Single el- elimination, this whole thing. The Lakers still came into this game with clear strategies. They talked about after the game that they did employ this, but they blitzed Tyrese Halliburton in the double team and really at the top of the arc a lot of the time, not allowing him to get downhill and do whatever he wants, allow him to step back to have you know all this space, which was incredible in what he did in the semis against Milwaukee. The amount of space that his shooters had, they were wide open. Um, if you look in like, I think second spectrum or maybe cleaning the glass, their advanced stats, they have stats where they denote how open a player is and wide open is like a certain amount of feet. Uh, I think you have to pay for those. So I don't have those stats, but <laughs> they all would have said all of Milwaukee's or Milwaukee let all of the Pacers shooters be wide open. And that was not the case against the Lakers. Uh, you know, we just talked a little bit about Tyrese Halliburton, Duncan. Um, what stood about stood out about you on his run up to the finals here? Honestly, I think it's the leadership, the humility, things that we kind of already knew about Tyrese because we've been big Tyrese guys since, uh, you know, day one, one. But day two, day two for me, day one for you. I, I was day two. It took me a second, but uh, early right. on. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it just seems like he's, veteran old player and i think i looked up uh like just his wiki the other day and realized shoot i'm i'm born in the same year as this guy like (laughs) we are the same age and he's out here like speaking uh, in an interview on national television seeming like he's like wise beyond words like i don't know i was very impressed by him he has great poise um things we kind of knew but you know when it's on the national stage something that's relatively new for him that was his first national game on tnt um, so that's crazy, uh, but I guess yeah, pace. They need to give the the small market teams a little more love. Uh, I think they will, especially next year. We'll probably get like ten TNT Halley games. But yeah, I, I was very impressed by him, and not that's not even the basketball part. The basketball part as well. Lakers game, he had a bit of a, I guess, a slump. I don't know what to call it. I think that was just a good game plan by the Lakers more than anything else. Um, but yeah, the that Milwaukee game was crazy, and that was. Whew, that was Tyrese was winning. I thought after that game, I was like, there's no way he doesn't win the whole thing. I was so confident that he then the Pacers were going to win. But you know, Darvin Ham, uh, a little, little tangent real quick. We were looking a little bit at the box scores before this. And I was curious. So against the Lakers, the against the Pelicans, sorry, the Lakers took 35 threes. But in the finals against the Pacers, the Lakers only took 13 threes. So, you know, like, a third of that number almost. And I think they just committed to their game plan, like extremely hard. They're like, we are going to be defensive as hell. We know that their interior defense, I mean, the Pacers defense in general is pretty bad and we can get our way with Miles Turner and they committed to it and it it worked. You know, they were able to, it was a slow burn, consistent win, but, but yeah, back to Tyrese. Uh, yeah, I'm impressed for him. I'm glad everybody's hopped on the Tyrese train and uh, can't wait to see where it takes us. Well, actually, I'm going to jump on on what you what you touched on towards the end. But before I do that, I, I do want to say, you mentioned how, like, you know, Duncan, we are the same age, but uh, we're also the same age as Tyrese. The first time that happened to me was with Zion because we were in college watching Zion in college. And I'm like, how, this dude looks like he's made out of marble. Not so much anymore. He <laughs> looks like he's made out of dough. But I, I was like, how are we the same age as that guy? That's crazy, too. Yeah, I mean, he's 
Yeah, that's crazy. He, he's <laughs> I don't even know what to say. He's Zion, Zion Williamson, and he's uh he's had a lot of life experiences already. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, we're the same age. Yeah, you can you can just look it up. Look up uh, Zion Williamson scandal. I don't know. Everyone probably knows that's listening. Uh, but my other thing I wanted to go off on is, yeah, they committed to this game plan of getting attacking the paint, especially because Miles Turner is, you know, I we talked about last episode about the sort of roaming shot blocker, the one that that's not the paint defender. So someone in the vein of what Rudy Gobert is doing this year next to Carlton Towns, what Robert Williams did last year next to Al Horford. And so they attacked the paint because I don't think Miles Turner is that true paint defender. I think this sort of gets into this concept that has been sort of developing more in the NBA. I, I'm kind of going to liken it to a baseball analogy. In baseball, they have what's called like the three true outcomes. Um, and they're called that because they're not influenced by uh, like fielders. So a strikeout, a walk, or a home run, right? Um, there's nothing defenders like, you know, fielders can do to influence that. It doesn't really carry the same weight in terms of what it means, but I, there's sort of that view in basketball lately in which it's scoring in the paint, it's getting the free throw line or shooting a three pointer because the mid range is, is sort of dead. The Lakers fully took advantage of that. And I think in a really, really unique way because we've spent so much time focusing on how many teams shoot way more threes than, than they used to. Like the Celtics, you know, they take way more threes under Joe Mazzula than they did under Udoka. Uh, by the way, they still took a lot under Udoka. It's not like a crazy revelation. But I, I don't think we focus enough on teams that are trying to pack the paint. And because as much as three-point shooters are getting more and more efficient and teams are getting more efficient as a whole throughout that, trying to be effective shooters, you know, 1 to 15 on the roster, Shooting at the rim is still way, way more efficient. If, if you can shoot 60% at the rim, then that's going to be a lot better. I mean, if you look at, again, what the Lakers did in the final against the Pacers, they shot 47 of 88. They shot 53% from the field. If you take away their three-point shooting, which they went 2 of 13, that, that would make them 45 of 75, which, by the way, is... 60 percent uh i had no idea the math was going to line up because i said if you shoot 60 percent the rim yeah that means <laughs> they shot 60 percent uh which is unreal and i it, i i just really it's really incredible you don't see it that much i think they really took advantage of it and they wanted to win this thing and they employed a smart strategy because you just don't see teams pack the paint like that and while it was kind of boring at times it was super smart yeah well i think that's because not every team can do that because not a lot of teams i feel like have you know the rim running point guard the rim running guard because there's a difference between packing the paint and clogging the paint so sometimes like in minnesota before they kind of started to figure it out that's what it was it was a like a ball handler and anthony edwards who likes to run at the paint and two bigs who were stuck in the restricted area uh in cat and town and uh, gobert and then it was just it was clogged but you know they can they have this they could do similar to the lakers honestly because they have maybe even more three-point shooting than the Lakers do. Um, there is a way to pack the paint 
instead of clog it. And if the Lakers went, you know, they don't have to take more threes, but say they went like seven for 13 from three, it would have been a much more decisive victory. So maybe that's a more of a winning recipe we start to see kind of a uh, going away from the three-pointer at least during the regular season or maybe during the playoffs. Uh, I, I guess more during the playoffs because, you know, in the regular season, you can afford to go, you know, 23% one night from three and then another two nights ago, like 45%, and you'll come back to the league average of 30, whatever it is for three. Um, but in the playoffs, when every game matters and you can't just like lose a game and be like, oh, well, maybe packing the paint is back. I mean, the Lakers, like you said, they are perfectly equipped, more so, more so than honestly maybe any other team to do this because when they fully went to Anthony Davis being a center, which he was very non-committal about doing it because he didn't want like the burden on his body. He wanted to be like the sexy power forward kind of guy. They are way better because if he is in that dunker spot, not in the paint, he is a very good shooter. And also it, it does free up the paint. If you have LeBron as a power forward, because guess what? He's not a power forward. He's, he's LeBron James. So he can play any position and he'll be the best player at that position. It freed up so much for them not having to have, you know, uh, I don't know, like a DeAndre Jordan type guy just clogging up the paint, like a Rudy Gobert type. And it fully allowed them to go into this strategy. Uh, it's also why, like, the Bucks, you know, they made the run. They, they did lose to the Pacers in the semifinals in Vegas. They are able to do a similar thing because Brooke Lopez has turned himself into a, a you know, generational shooter at the, at the center position. Um, and then Giannis, you know, is again, like LeBron, where he can play any position and he'll be elite at it. Very few teams that can do this, but the ones that do, I think fully take advantage of um, maybe, maybe like an unutilized part of, of NBA basketball right now. Yeah. Especially with that size, when that like offensive scheme works out, like with having, you know, like Giannis and Brooke Lopez and just letting Giannis essentially be the center on offense. When you're back on defense, You've got like traditional center and power forward defenders, and you match up very well against every other team that kind of has that normal, uh, normal layout. Like, so that that's another thing that I think isn't really talked about too much is you know they can throw they throw a curveball at you on offense every single time because now like your center, the tallest guy has to be on Brook Lopez because you know if you have a smaller guy on him and who doesn't pay attention, all of a sudden he cuts and he's a great rim runner too, and he you know catches a lob when he runs from that maybe not lob, but you know he has a, a a cut dunk from the three-pointer and like yeah honestly I, that's something I'm, I'm gonna keep an eye out for now because i hadn't even like thought of that just like the offense to defensive like scheme switch and how well it works for teams that have the center that can do more than just be the center <laughs> or the power forward even yeah the two-way stuff i mean they were talking about the broadcast anthony davis was insane on both ends of the court brooke lopez nearly won defensive player of the year last year in addition to what he can do as a spacer that's why the the threats that can be a three level score on offense and like uh either that roaming defender or a paint defender and be really good at either or maybe both on defense that's why they're so valued that's why victor Wembanyama goes number one that's why chet holmgren goes number three and that's why they are number one and two depending on what order you want them in in rookie of the year voting because you know, they're three-level three on offense. They can block any shot on defense. You know, Chet was blocking like three block. He had like three blocks a game at one point. He might still be there. It's crazy. Uh, anyways, this is way more uh, like analytical talk, you know, than I thought we'd do. I, <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about like court colors and crazy stuff. I mean, we can talk about it. 
Yeah, what do you think about the blue and red uh, Vegas courts? Because they they took the same framework as the ones that were unique to all 30 teams, but they you know, went with this blue and red color. I liked it. It was inoffensive. It looked nice on TV. It felt a little special. Um, and it also was like slightly different from the uh, all the other in-season tournament courts. So it, I think it was, it was a nice touch. Um, you know, they could have also played on a normal hardwood, and I think that would have been fine. But there was there was a chance that they ruined the tournament, the finals, like Vegas, with some ugly, like, pure gold, like, roulette-themed. Like, I don't know where they would have gone with that. But, you know, it, it could have been bad, but luckily it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought they were going to use gold. Uh, I just thought they'd go into this whole championship thing. The blue and red, I was, I guess it's the league colors, right? And the NBA logo colors. I thought it was a little random. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's better than what the gold would have looked like, um, especially with like the Lakers colors. It just would have clashed. They would have had to wear the black unis the whole time or something. I don't know. Well, that's why. Um, you know, they, they wanted it to look better on TV, so they told the Lakers they can't wear the black. They wanted to wear the black jerseys, but they forced them to wear the gold. But I think it worked out because I don't understand why they wouldn't wear the gold anyways. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like the Patriots refusing to wear the red throwbacks, and then the year they wear them, go they go two and or three and however many they're going to go. So <laughs> that's uh, maybe a little opposite of that. <laughs> Hopefully no more higher than three. We're trying to, trying to tank here. Yeah. Going full Wemby. Yeah, not for Drake May, though. I watched one game of that man. He is cheap. You're out? We don't want him. We don't want him. NC State was too much for him. He couldn't perform at NC State. He would look like a little baby. I don't want Drake May. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you you have an anti-UNC bias coming in. A little bit. But I did watch one game of his against like a fine team. Like They were okay. They're not like a defensive powerhouse. And he just looked lost on the field. Like it was, The pressure got to him. It was too much. He was making silly mistakes. And, you know, like, like it was NC State. Like I like NC State, but it's not like Alabama or like Georgia or something like that. Like no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not those two. Yeah. I, I'm still Caleb or Marvin Harrison. I don't know. I don't really have a I don't watch enough college football to to make a decision. Um I know Marvin Harrison's really good. Um and I know you know, if, if he's a bust then then everyone was wrong. It's not just us. Yeah. You know, Patriots aren't allowed to draft a wide receiver though. But you know if we don't draft him he's gonna be generational talent. So, hmm. no, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine anyways. Uh, but with the, we're going to take a step back because I want to kind of examine this whole in-season tournament as a whole and, and try to see, you know, what did we get out of this? And they, like you said, they are going to make tweaks to this whole product. What tweaks do we want to see? What tweaks do we think they will make? So, like, what we knew and thought about the in-season tournament coming into the season i i actually listened back to a episode we had recently where we talked about our reservations or um our expectations for it back in like july and what i said at the time what uh we'll actually play the clip here so you know i i'm not a fan if it ends up being just regular season games that have this ulterior meaning and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, over that stretch, the Atlanta Hawks got hot. Again, I'm picking the Atlanta Hawks because they're like just so mediocre. Um, you know, over like a three-week stretch, the Hawks went 12-3. and three. Therefore, they're the one seed in this tournament. 
and then they host this weird host this weird trophy and then no one cares and i i don't know i i don't want this to be just a useless thing and then like all the media like espn touts about having this thing even though no one cares about it ultimately wow what a great clip that was so 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 great totally not put in in post uh anyways like i just said um i was scared that this was going to be an award or rather a, a trophy a tournament that the young, hungry, bad teams were going to go after and that all the good, star, championship-driven teams were just going to coast and not care. But that wasn't the case. And I think they did a really smart job in making these games be, you know, matter for the regular season, but, you know, sort of double-counting here so that it does matter in, for the ultimate championship goal in mind. Because, again, our four teams in the semifinals in Las Vegas where the Lakers definitely have championship expectations. The Bucks, 100% do. The Pelicans, um, you know, they could. They definitely have playoff expectations, and the Pacers do too, and they're hungry, and they want to prove stuff. The Pelicans to a degree too. So I was impressed. I, I was glad this wasn't a mid-off with, like, the Hawks and the, uh, I guess, the Pelicans, you know, those sort of teams. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back at some of the tweaks we could have made or we could make for next year too, kind of going off of that, I think the idea and the atmosphere is great. But one thing that Adam Silver said in his, uh, in, on JJ Reddick's podcast was that the courts were kind of a last minute idea and they just threw it together and made it happen, which, you know, I think they were a good thing in the end, but some of the courts, you can tell they, they threw it together and made it happen, you know, like, like two tone, like no one thought it out. And, you know, the, the red courts looking really ugly and stuff like that. So I think that's something I'm a little more excited for next year, because people knowing that the courts are going to be just good buzz, you know, it's something to release. It's like the jerseys, but not as much of a lasting impact, which I think is a good thing. You know, you can hype it up a bit and if it sucks it's not the end of the world but maybe there'll be a little more tasteful like a little more patterns like some of the stuff we see in college and things like that instead of some of the really like visually jarring courts that we saw overall though i think it was a good thing what, what do you think uh, it, it's going to be a balance with the courts the way they do it because i agree i i hated a lot of them if you watched miami their bright red flaming hot cheetos looking court was an eyesore it was terrible i couldn't stand it <laughs> Um, and also a lot of them, you know, they use the same colors as the jerseys, so they blend it in. I, I think the green screen, or like the, the little logos they put on the court, they might've had trouble with it because it was awful. It was terrible to watch. Uh, it does make a lot of sense hearing that they kind of threw it together last minute because it did have that vibe. Uh, I want it to have teams have more of an input because one thing that came out about the Celtics court is um, if you notice the court, it was all painted, all painted smooth wood like it was for everyone. And there, so there's no parquet pattern. And it was the first time the Celtics have ever had a home court without any sort of parquet pattern. They wanted the light negative strip. I think it was white maybe in the down the middle of the court to they asked if it could be parquet and they were told no. So I think they need to have a little more input from the teams I understand them wanting to have like a uniform sort of template to make them all look, you know, similar to so people know what they're watching. But I think the teams need to have more of a hold on this identity. And and I, this gets into a larger thing that really bothers me with the Nike City Edition jerseys, how 
a lot of them don't make a lot of creative sense and it seems they rotate and make a new one every year just to sell jerseys and they lack continuity they lack identity with the city and with the fan base and it's overall just confusing um so you know this is a bigger issue but uh i i guess the the long-winded the tldr of this is that i think teams need to have more input and i don't want the league to just be unilaterally making all these decisions on on um, design and and history and stuff when the teams know that the best. Agreed, agreed. I do like that they just made the clear like, hey, there's a big trophy in the middle. This is an in-season tournament game. Like that was nice. You know, you flip on a game. Um, although they were pretty consistent with the scheduling with the games. What was it? Tuesdays and Fridays for the most part? Yeah, it was, it was only Tuesdays and Fridays. And actually, I want to talk about that. What did you think about that format? Because it was, it was pretty clear why they did that. Tuesdays, they had them special TNT games, so they would always have national in-season games. Same thing with Fridays. And so Fridays would be, um, you know, pe- people are out doing stuff, they see it. As someone who went to an in-season tournament game in person, Duncan, you're actually very qualified to talk about this. What was the experience in the arena, and were people confused? Did they understand what was going on? Oh, they did, yeah. It was lit. It, was, it looked so nice, and it felt so cool like i don't know you could tell there's a little buzz like people were a little more excited you know it was a pun oh i did yeah yeah buzz city little buzz yeah i didn't even think of that but yeah i mean it just it mattered a little bit more to the fans the players and the first half of the game was really close and then once they got away you know it's every fourth quarter for the charlotte hornets but uh it, it seemed to matter a little more and I really like the the Hornets court colors. So to me, it just was very visually pleasing being in there because not only did the the court match the jerseys, but it kind of matched the stadium. You know, it matched the the cheerleaders, Hugo the Hornet, the fans, the colors of the stands, like everything like that. So as a whole, it was super visually pleasing to see. That I do think that translated on the TV that that there was a different vibe to it. But my, my thing is, did people know the implications? Did pe- did, do you think people understood that, you know, this helped towards the standings? Because this is something that when we got to the last night of qualifying, um, which, uh, by the way, I don't know how much time we have left, Duncan. How much time is there? Uh, we have, we're 26 minutes in, so we got about another 20-something minutes. Oh, okay. Um, we'll cut that, I guess. Um, where was I going? Yeah, on the last night of the tournament games not everyone played so that means the teams that were playing had control it to a degree of their own destiny of qualifying for the for the you know quarterfinals of this and in the celtics arena and also if you watched on tnt that night they had all the different box scores up on the top third of the screen like it was march madness but apparently in td garden they had the net score up because the nets had to win or lose by a certain number you know there's a couple hoops to go through but people didn't know what it meant they just saw the score up and they were like uh brooklyn's losing we don't like brooklyn and i think to that degree either they need to make this more clear or they need everyone playing at once which isn't possible because they're five team groups so maybe move that to six that's another thing maybe you change that but you need everyone to play in at once, really stagger start. Um, I think someone told me, I think the World Cup worked like this in terms of the staggering. Yeah. Or so people can scoreboard watch. Because I don't know, that's a big like clunky issue that I was not a fan of. Yeah. Or even the last day of the regular season in the NBA. 
aren't all the games like at once more or less uh i i think so that's that's what i mean like i want to stagger you know maybe start every game 10 minutes apart 15 minutes apart half hour apart so we don't have this where teams are at home and they're you know watching there's nothing they can do anymore yeah i think for like in the spectrum center in charlotte they had the the standings up a lot but it was only the second game for either team and not every team had played so it was like you know a three-way tie for first and a three-way tie for last or something like that you know um so it wasn't like super meaningful yet um i think that's the thing with just the the four games that are played per team that like you don't really get as much of that right away like it's only the last game that really matters it feels like or the last two games um but yeah i agree i they need to address that a little bit but i think point differential is the correct way to go for that being the the tiebreaker um because what else would it be unless each team wants to play each other twice or something like that i don't know that's that would just be a lot of in-season tournament games but maybe it's the head-to-head record then that's the tiebreaker instead of that so like you know, it's the, the Nets and Celtics. Who who won their game? Uh, the Celtics beat Brooklyn in the head-to-head. Gotcha. Then I think maybe that make like kind of solves the scoreboard problem, um, and it's not about differential. Um, but if you have a three-way tie, <laughs> maybe maybe then the score differential is the, the third uh, the third thing that would break a tie. I think it has to be. I mean, so I really don't know like what. Like, what else you could do? I, I yeah. will say, like, not even all the players really knew how it worked. Like, Bones Highlands, he didn't really know how it worked. Ben Simmons, you know, he said, quote, nah, all I know is whoever we play. Uh, nah, by the way, when he was asked how it works. He said, nah, all I know is whoever we play, we got to play. And each game is very important. So that's how I feel about every game we play. Yeah, ben Simmons doesn't know how to play basketball consistently, so like, <laughs> no, I, he's not, I don't think he's the best source here. Uh, but Jalen Williams, a uh, good Jalen, uh, no, good Jalen as a Y, no, bad Jalen as a Y. Yeah, J A Y L I N is okay. a bad one. Although he's pretty good, too. But yeah, yeah not but J Dub. He's, he's J Will. Yeah, yeah, the guard Jalen Williams on the Thunder. He said, quote, it's so early in the year, it just feels like another game. I guess we'll see once we get into the arena what it'll feel like. And I think that was, you know, definitely the feel for a lot of the guys. It was this feeling out process, and that's why it did ramp up towards the end, towards those third, fourth games for everyone. So maybe that means coming into next year, everyone will know the process, even if it is tweaked a little bit, and we'll get the intensity from the start. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about the uh, end season before we move on? Uh, I'm excited for our 2024 champions, the Charlotte Hornets, to take take home a banner to Charlotte. And also, uh, speaking of banners, though, I saw a TikTok that was an old Kobe clip of, like, we don't hang conference championships. We don't hang uh, division championships. And it cut to LeBron being like, well, hey, we got the banner, something like that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, hey. so it's funny. May I say, they hang Minneapolis Lakers banners, which they didn't acknowledge until like the 90s because they were like, oh, wait, we can like, we can say where we can match the Celtics in banners. But no, it's because they all of a sudden decided to adopt the Minneapolis banners. They didn't retire George Mikan's 
uh, banner, who is the most improved player award. They named that trophy out of after him. The one they named the the ones they named last year named after George Mikan. They didn't retire his number, I think, until 2019, posthumously, <laughs> if I'm correct. So, yeah, Kobe, you're the goat. But oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's also like the, Kansas, like uh, University of Kansas. They hang banners from the 1920s before there was a, a tournament and the national champion was decided by like a committee. <laughs> like they, they call those count those as part, some of their champions. And when they say they have five national championships, they have like one in the 1920s and one in the 1930s or forties. <laughs> look, anytime you do anything like before the civil rights act is always like, I look at it with it. And that was before world war two. That's not, everybody was allowed to play on the court. You can't count that. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bunch of white guys running around. Plumbers and firemen. Yeah, hey, Bill Russell, uh, you know, he had a lot of white teammates, but Bill Russell was not white, so it's okay. So those count. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we can cherry pick here. It's like stats. Um, yeah, yeah, only the good ones matter. Exactly. Uh, so we do have a new segment we'd like to introduce. It's called The Step Back. Uh, shout out uh, Duncan on, on the credits there, on the name. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, so the segment is going to be where we revisit old takes of ours. Uh, shout out to Freezing Cold Takes, by the way. Great Twitter account. Uh, and we're going to see how wrong slash right we were. And uh, in addition, sometimes, uh, I don't know, we're kind of testing this uh, segment. We will tackle the subject once more. Uh, today's take, we are going to look at our franchise cornerstones we drafted in July of 2022 between... Oh. Uh, uh, me, you, and uh, Dan. Dan, not here today. Uh, we each drafted teams of five, and we left a team of five for the audience. First, I want to go through the teams and see who had the best team in hindsight. Um, and then we will each draft five players. Our teams will be a little better since there's no Dan here today, but still. Uh, Duncan, your team was, uh, this is quite interesting, uh, LaMelo Ball, uh, <laughs> Zion Williamson. I was gonna say I remember Zion. <laughs> you do. Uh Luka Doncic. Okay. Joel Embiid and Chet Holmgren. Honestly, I'm I'm pretty cool with that. The Chet pick in hindsight, I, I think he was a late pick. I, I don't think he was hurt yet, or he had just gotten hurt, so I think you were you were stashing him. Looks quite good. You didn't know Embiid was gonna win MVP. No, I probably was I'm I'm a slight and bead hater just because he plays in the city of Philadelphia. Um, but Fair yeah, yeah. He, he's, he is good at basketball. <laughs> Other than the dope boy. I mean, I think you're looking pretty good, but even him, like he's all right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's still pretty good. I, he's not a bad pick. My team is, is uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, we start off with Cade Cunningham. I was, I, was, I should have asked. I was going to say, did you have Cade? Like that feels like a, a you pick. Well, I I still stand behind Cade, but he's not. The Pistons aren't doing too hot, you know. The wing stop beat him every game in November. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, followed up by Anthony Edwards. Feel so good about that one still. Good one, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, sure. Brandon Ingram. Uh, really don't feel that good about that. He's silently good, but when you watch him and he shoots a mid range pull up, I watched more Celtic uh, Pelicans games than I can care to admit just jordan hawkins you know but it feels like he won't miss every single mid 
mid-range pull-up that he takes. I feel like the tape looks good, but like as a whole, the whole Brandon Ingram experience and how he's not like, to a degree, he's not like a real NBA basketball player. He's, he's just a third option. Plateaued. He's a great third option. Yeah, but I mean, he's not a franchise cornerstone. No, 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 that's fair. <laughs> uh, and then my fifth was Bam Adebayo, who uh, I stick behind because I think Bam is foreverly, uh, forever like underrated. He just always is. Agreed. Uh, then we have Dan, who has uh, a couple of players under allegations at the moment. <laughs> Gosh. He he starts off with Evan Mobley, who I don't think has taken the leap. Everyone has thought he still, but he's still a good player. He has John Morant, who will be back Oof. in potentially six days from the time of recording. But yeah, Mr. Mr. Gunn himself. Uh, Jason Tatum, very safe pick. Good pick. Shea Gilchrist Alexander. I think it Great might have pick. been a bold pick for the time, but yeah. And then he has Josh Giddy. Uh, uh, yeah. He, yeah, that's all we have to say about Josh Giddy. Uh, <laughs> in, interesting team. Uh, I, I think actually it looks fine in hindsight, um, allegations aside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's all right. You know, I think Josh Giddy, disregarding the allegations, you know, a better pick could have been like Paolo or something like that. I mean, at the time, how, how are we to know that? Um, but even then, it's not bad. I just think Josh Giddy has been a little limited with the team and role he's on. He's playing the role really well, but I don't know if that's like role is his ceiling or not, you know? Well, that that's some of the stuff I've even, you know, again, pre-allegations here was that, you know, it seemed like Giddy was the expendable one. He wasn't always in the closing lineups. He was sort of like a Chris Paul and the Warriors type of guy, like a secondary ball handler. But with his ceiling and the way they used him coming up to this season, he, he seemed like the odd man out there. For sure. What, what did the audience uh, get? Is it a cracked team? Uh, you know, at the time, I think we, we actually said they might have beaten us. Uh, and it, they do have Paolo, like you mentioned. Uh, they have Jalen Brown, um, you know, gets paid a lot yeah. of money. Uh, they have Nikola Jokic, who we just decided not to draft because no, I don't know why. Uh, we gave them Trey Young, which is interesting to say the least. And we gave them then Rookie of the Year uh, reigning winner, Scotty Barnes. Okay. I mean, Scotty Barnes so far this year has looked pretty good. Honestly, Trey Young with teammates, like, I don't hate that. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, like Trey Young with with capable people around him. Although again, it doesn't matter how many shots he takes, he is so inefficient. It, it's kind of remarkable how bad he is at at shooting the basketball for someone who came in as you know the next Stephen Curry, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. But we are going to draft teams of five, and this is all impromptu. So we have no notes. So that means this is going to go great. <laughs> So uh, we are gonna random the order. We're gonna go, we're gonna go. No snake because it's two people because that's annoying. We'll randomize it twice. Uh, Duncan, you are going first. Hey, let's Do you go. have your first pick yet? Um, yeah, I think I still. I think people have been awfully quiet about him this year, but I'm taking some off my last year team. I'm going to take Luca with the first pick. 
Yeah, Luca. Uh, you know he had a he's been this crazy streak of thirty point triple doubles lately, and the Mavericks are winning. And the the I we we did say before the season that the supporting cast is better, but it's not crazy better. Like Grant Williams is better than who they had. Um, Derek Lively's been really valuable. Uh, yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. was hurt, but yeah, it, he's just been I think better. He's been quietly really, really good. And it doesn't make sense that it's been quiet. Yeah, I just don't see what would stop him anytime soon. Like, I think he's going to be sticking around for a while. He's a one-man offense, but he somehow makes his teammates better too. Like, I don't think that's talked about too much. But, you know, for his triple doubles, he has to get 10 assists. And he, he he's getting those assists. <laughs> yes, he it's uh, he's been... Uh, somewhat good as well in the uh in in some of the defensive stuff and steals his efficiency i mean he turns the ball over because he has a ball a ton but yeah he's he's i think really it's weird to say he stepped up because he's you know he's been first team on nba he's been an all-star starter but he gets slept on for some reason i think in, in some of these conversations so this does put me up Bump you know, there's so don't you do it? <laughs> what? I don't. I actually don't know who who you're talking about. Okay, never mind. Do it then. Do it. Um, you know, I feel like it'd be remiss of me not to take this guy because it does seem like they win fifty games every year. Um, granted, he has some other good players on his team, but I'm gonna go Jason Tatum. You know, bias, bias, but he does walk into fifty wins every year. Best two-way wing in the league, probably. So many playoff games. I think he'd be a good guy to start a franchise with. And he's also, by the way, talk about Mr. No Allegations. He That's is incredibly, fair. you know, great father. Got a signature shoe. He's friends with every player in the league. You know, what's not to like? That is fair. Um, yeah, he's, he's pretty likable. Shoot, now I'm wondering if I should take this guy. Maybe I could get him later. Because we're not building a lineup here, right? Or are we building a lineup? Or are we just so, drafting no, who would be the best guy to start a franchise with? Well, let's see. I mean, I did take Bam out of bio on a team. I think so, we must have been doing lineups. Yeah, I'm going to guess it was lineup. So it's going to be lineup, but also of guys you'd want to build a franchise around. So it's a balance. Okay, okay. Then I think I just got to do it. You know, gut, gut says this guy's going to be a star in the league for many years to come. Give me, uh, give me Tyrese. Give me Hallie. Halliburton. That's not. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going <laughs> a different direction. Wow, uh, Luke and Tyrese. You. Got I just all think these that pairing things. would be so much fun. But who knows? Maybe they wouldn't work together. But I definitely could have gotten them way way later. But that's okay. I, I feel good about it, especially with the in season tournament. Like you know, star power is on. He turn. He could turn Luca into a catch and shoot shooter. Someone who doesn't have to do it all. Or the other way around. I don't know. I think it would be a great, a great pairing. Just two talented people working together. <laughs> so you know they say sometimes the best offense is defense, and I think you did it <laughs> because there's no, um, there's no one else who is a playmaker available. Those are the guys. <laughs> no, no. The the best defense is offense on this team. <laughs> they're they're not going to defend. They're just going to outscore everybody. <laughs> yes, in reality, it's that. For the analogy, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm actually going to combat Mr. Halliburton. 
actually no i'm not i am going to be smart about this let's 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 try to be strategical um we'll take you know he is on the older he might be the oldest guy taken but uh definitely a franchise cornerstone and good luck stopping him nikola Jokic. uh that's that's probably a good one i could have taken well i think i know where you're gonna go now no honestly now i don't really know because i was gonna like in terms of centers like I don't know if I'm just blank on who's in the league, but corners. Yeah, it's also cornerstones here. Again, like Jokic is 28, so he's on the older side, but I still think he could play a long time. Yeah, he. I feel like he could be the Tom Brady. Actually, no, he doesn't treat his body right every day. That's that's what like Tom Brady and LeBron have in common. You know, like they are obsessed with taking care of themselves. And Jokic is very good, but you know, he 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 his off season hey, has... takes off. He has dad strength and he has horse strength, so he's got double. That's fair. That's fair. But I just I don't think he'll play till forty five. You know. Well, I don't think he. I mean, unless he's winning every year, it doesn't seem like he necessarily has that love to keep playing. He will have made certainly enough money to retire at any point, so it's not like that's a big deal for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm gonna go a little more defensive and give me some. Someone also a little bit older, not that old. I get flamed for saying that a little bit older. That's that TikTok I got flamed for saying Sabonis yeah, was an aging big. We're all aging slowly. Um, give me Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, at the at the four. Got to make it's up. It's kind of God. It's dirty having Luca and Tyrese set up for Giannis. Like this is stupid. Just lob city. <laughs> oh God, who's guarding Giannis? Boy, oh boy, this isn't good for me. Like Loki, <laughs> I should take LeBron, right? Because he's gonna play forever. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They're gonna roll out clone LeBron, and we're gonna pretend we didn't notice. Ah, boy. So actually, you know, I want to take this guy because actually, no, screw it. Again, once again, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna take uh, another big man, one who. I think could grow into a body to, to defend Giannis, but also I like just his makeup in this position. I'm going to go Chet Holmgren. He's going to play the four for me next to Jokic. Uh, he can stretch the floor. He can defend, you know, like we were talking about earlier. I think he is someone who could be a really perfect four in this league. Um, or if he eventually has some bulk like Anthony Davis did, um, he could be a five. You know, I'm going to go in a similar vein. Um, I really want the Giannis Brooke Lopez combo, but oh, instead of Brooke Lopez, Wemby. I'm going Wemby. Give me Wembanyama yeah. at that five on defense, four on offense role. Yeah, so like that's a good pick. Um, I like hey. forgot about him. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I would have picked him earlier, and then you you were like setting up Chet, and I was like, oh shoot, he's gonna pick Wembanyama, and then you pick Chet, and I was like. Honestly, Chet might be. I like Chet a lot too. I, my, the jury's still out between the two of them, but again, it's a it's a coin flip here. I thought when you were talking about Tyrese, I don't know the reason you were setting it up. It sounded like you're about to say Victor Wembanyama, then it did not happen. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I've teased. Well, not really. I haven't really revealed why, but in my head, I have. I've teased it. I'm just gonna make the pick. It's gonna be Shea Gilchrist Alexander here on, in in the fourth round. He's the best. I think franchise point guard left. 
He's a tall point guard. Sorry, Cade. Um, I love his herky jerky. He's so clutch. Uh, great player. And hey, you got the chemistry with Chet already baked in. Yeah, that's fair. I think, you know, I got I got to gamble for the future. I'm a gambling man, and you know, oh, this can't go well. There's we picked eight of the 500 NBA players, and you're gonna gamble. <laughs> um, you know, I just want to pick someone who could look. It could look really good or really bad next year when we look back at it again. So I'm gonna give me a guard forward, Jalen Williams from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, to round up the three spot, you know, I like his defensive prowess. Uh, you got to pick someone a little, a little, a little random, a little weird. Probably could have picked like, you know, any other top five uh, small forward in the NBA right now. But uh, I, I like it. I, I think it's going to complement pretty well. You need to have someone who knows that they don't need the ball at all times, or at least in, that would have a place in this hierarchy of this lineup that I've got here. Yeah. Well, well, it is startling that we're seven picks in. Sure, we're nine picks in. Sorry, can't cannot count. Uh, and a third of them are Thunder players. Like that's absolutely crazy <laughs> to me. Yeah, that is nuts. OKC, they're dangerous. They seem to do this uh, every ten years or five years. Yeah, they're cyclical, and we're not even talking about the allegations man here, who was in last year's. Uh, so you you did uh, the classic strategy of going for a star, quote unquote, who is also a glue guy, you know, a star in his role, a a, a an Alfred, as JJ Reddick likes to say. I would say he'd call Jalen Williams an Alfred. So you know, I need another guard next to Shea. So you know, I was thinking about everyone's second favorite Tyrese, uh, Tyrese Maxey. But he's a little small for my lineup because I crave height. So I am going to go with, uh, we're going to go full circle here. We're going to go someone who's on my last team to round out the lineup. Talk about an alpha, Anthony Edwards, not Cade. No, were you I, I, I thought Cade? I was set up. The, kind of, the setup was for Cade, and I was like, don't you dare take Cade. <laughs> no, Anthony Edwards. Because, you know, Tatum, he is willing to t- pass up shots. Jokic, he doesn't care about taking shots. Chet, he doesn't care. And Shea, uh, he, I guess he could give it up. And sometimes you need a, a guy who's just a complete FU guy. He's also just, uh, he's an, actually an unreal defender. I don't think people talk about for his effort and everything. <laughs> um, and I, you know, franchise guy, super, super franchisee. So yeah. uh, just to recap here, uh, Duncan, you picked. Luka Doncic, Tyrese Halliburton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Victor Wenbanyama, and Jalen Williams. I picked Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokic, Chet Holmgren, Shea Gilchis, Alexander, and Anthony Edwards. Uh, well, hopefully, maybe it'll go on the Instagram. If not, it'll be the Q&A and or the poll for this episode. So let us know. Go look down below. And while you're there on Spotify or Apple, I don't ask this very much. So I'll, I'll we'll do it just this once. Uh, if you could, give us a rating five stars one star maybe two three four anywhere in between the higher the better um let it you know give us a rating it does it does help a lot i I don't ask for it but i'd make the time here uh so we are running out of time you did talk about how you're a gambling man earlier duncan six minutes sick um you did talk about how you're a gambling man earlier so before we get to the league pass games of the week i do want to mention let's just roll the tape right here (laughs) There's also an honorable mention, maybe a league pass game for tonight. 
is the Pacers Hawks. Um, it has the highest NBA over under since 1995 at 252 and a half points is the line. So that's that you saying the no defense game made me think of that, but that truly might be the no defense game. So I'm going to smash that over because I'm expecting a 150 to 155 kind of kind of victory for the Pacers. Wait, so you're telling me it's the highest over under in history and you're going over since 1995. Yeah. That's doesn't that scream to you under if it's the (laughs) highest ever you are going over, but but you have to, you know, the, the, the way they set the lines is they make the obvious choice. And then of course the obvious choice doesn't happen. So if I take the under there, it's going to be one of the highest scoring games since that, like double overtime Kings Clippers game last year. But it's not the obvious. The point of the over-under is that it's like even odds over or under. Dan, you're a betting man. You, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, you gotta swear for it. That's the only way to win. <laughs> I guess, you know, what what's the what's the saying we always say? Overs, you know, more points is more fun. So just go on the over. Oh yeah, that, that's always it for NFL. And then it's like some seven to three like New England kind of game, but yeah, so somehow you were right about that line, the Pacers-Hawks over-under. I thought, still, I still think it's crazy. The highest over-under, you say, give me the over. But but it, it, the line opened at 252.5. The game finished at 309 total. The blue pass wasn't even close. I look like an idiot. I think and this was regular I'm... time, too. <laughs> this wasn't overtime? Uh, I'll double check. I'll double check, but uh, I'm not sure if it was. Well, I'll never get over that. This is this is why I I bet in dimes and, <laughs> and nickels, Duncan. Uh, it's gonna take me a second to find it, but either way, I was just I was just happy. Um, but also, it just feels like the sports book they're setting you up. You know, the fact they make articles. This is the highest over under in in years. Everyone's like, oh, logical thing, take the under. Not nah, the sports books. They know. They know how to get you get your money. They they want you to take that under, so you know I had to smash the over. Yeah, I again, hey, if if FanDuel, if you want to sponsor us by telling us why or how how you determine odds and you know percentage, I don't know, sponsors FanDuel. That's that's all I'm trying to say here. Yeah, it was not in overtime. That was that was in regulation. <laughs> that is silly. That is uh, that is stupid. It was a crazy game. Yeah, I mean, hey, we just talked about not not a lot of defense being played in your backcourt. Um, zero defense being played in that game. Uh, we're gonna quickly rattle through our league pass games of the week here uh, for the upcoming week. We are recording this on Wednesday, December thirteenth, so that means this is coming out probably on Thursday, the fourteenth. So tonight's game is Thunder at Kings. Probably not a lot of defense being played there at ten p.m. Your Friday, December fifteenth game is the Pelicans at the Hornets at 7 p.m. Saturday, Pacers at T-Wolves, 8 p.m. Sunday, the rematch of the in-season tournament, a little Sunday uh, matinee game, Magic at Celtics, 3 p.m. Monday, Battle of the of the Coasts, Knicks at Lakers, 10.30. Tuesday, the 19th, uh, Battle of uh, Your Players, you know, Wemby versus Giannis, Spurs at Bucks, 10 p.m. And Wednesday, uh, a Luca revenge game on December twentieth. Clippers at Mavericks eight thirty p.m. Uh, so before we get out of here, because we are quickly running out of time, 
we'll go over last week's Q&A and poll from last episode. As always, if you listen to us on Spotify, click the episode and scroll down. You will find a poll and Q&A, and you can have your voice heard and vote red live on the show. Poll, last week's poll was, do we talk about Tyrese Halliburton too much on the show? Do we? Uh, turns out the people said we probably talk about him the right amount. And they might have a change in opinion after we, <laughs> we talked about him. for. But hey, I, again, we're ahead of the curve because he is now fully being talked about at the national level. And, you know, we just beat him to it. Agreed, agreed. Uh, now that they might be over it since ESPN caught on it. You know, they listen to our podcast so much, so they just steal all of our, all of our ideas. But uh, so now, yeah, he's on. I mean, I guess it's more credit to Tyrese than anything else, but <laughs> he's everywhere. Yeah, no, Tyrese played himself into the conversation. We were just, you know, true believers. Um, and then our Q&A was, who are you most thankful for this season? Duncan, as, as your answer changed since um, our last recording, are you th- more thankful for anyone else now? Um, I don't know. I forget who I said. <laughs> who did I say? <laughs> Uh, I don't know was if you it, said oh, either. Was, I said Brandon Miller for not being a bust. I am thankful for him because he's on a 50% three-point tear over the last like four games or something like that. So it hasn't changed too much. I'm thankful for, for B-Mill. I'm going to pull uh, one out of your hat that you reference a lot. Uh, someone I'm thankful for in fantasy as well as real life, uh, Mikael Bridges, because uh, for, kind of for both reasons on both fronts, he plays every game. Not everyone does it. He plays every game. I think it's awesome for fans to know that he'll always be there. Um, it's awesome for the team. Uh, you know, awesome for like a, a fantasy player. It's just super cool. It doesn't happen a lot. I think we should celebrate it. Um, it's something that uh, Brian Scalabrini, he always likes looking at totals. So instead of looking at like, he always likes to look at total points scored like over the last couple of years because it you know rewards the players that play 80 games rather than someone who plays 68. Um, so Mikhail Bridges, you know, is someone who would do well in those arguments. I just think it's really cool. Thankful for him. Okay, uh, anything to say on the way out, Duncan? No, just looking forward to Christmas basketball coming up and Draymond being uh, suspended, but just enough time to come back on Christmas. Uh, just just came out just now that he's going to have some counseling and something like that, a plan to do that. NBA Paint just tweeted, uh, he's about to flagrant foul, foul Adam Silver, which is hilarious. So <laughs> looking forward to how that unfolds. Yeah, and you know there's no way he's not playing on Christmas. Like, let's be real here. Not at all. He, he's going to. Or they make a big statement and he doesn't. Could happen. Yeah, that's a good point. And besides, our next episode will be our Christmas special. We'll be looking at our Christmas Day games. We'll be power ranking them and then everything else about the holiday. Uh, So we will see you guys all then. I think that I think that's all if you like do your editing within here. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to seven seconds or more. 
I am. Well, I, I don't even know how I do the show anymore. Jesus. Uh, okay, let me just do this again.